Cause you don't know the words Words are hard to remember When they mean nothing at all To the heart who's still waiting For their voice to be heard Don't sing me your anthem When your anthem's absurd Hello and welcome to Women on the Line. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on the program, the campaign to abolish Australia Day. January 26 marks the anniversary of the 1788 arrival of the first fleet of British ships at Port Jackson. It also marks the invasion of Australia and the start of genocide against the original owners of this land. For the last three years, the campaign to abolish Australia Day not just to change the date, has garnered a lot of public support. Invasion Day rallies that have been organised around the country for 2020 will raise Abolish Australia Day as a demand. On today's show, I broadcast an interview I did in 2018 about Abolish the Date. The interview was conducted just after the Invasion Day rally in Melbourne of that year. In 2018, some 50 to 60,000 people marched the streets of Melbourne, overshadowing the official Australia Day Parade 50 to 1. One of the incredible voices heard at that rally was that of Arnie Jenny Munro, one of the founders of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy in Redfern, Sydney. I think of all the communities and all the struggles and the battles we lead across this country, you might rock. Black and white, you are a demonstration to this country of how it's supposed to be. Our people know what the history is. We know what the situation is for our mob. We have our leaders. We chose them a long time ago. They were born. They weren't created by this vile, racist system that makes its money out of turning us against each other, creating division in the community, when all, all that we have ever sought is unity and one voice for our mob to tell this government, this country, we've told them many times, but one more, we'll get the band back together, as I said in the Blues Brothers. This is our land. It's always been our land. It will always be our land. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of generations of our people born and died peacefully on our land before the white virus came. And it is a virus, and it was and is in, as insidious as the chicken pox they introduced to us here. It will kill you if you let it. The virus is called racism. The virus is a sickness that makes people think they're better than other people. By virtue of money, stolen wealth, stolen gain. We all stand the same way, we all sit the same way, we all shite the same way. Nothing different about us. Our difference is our place and our time. This is our place. And this is our time. 
We've seen the governments of many persuasions, whether they be Labour or Liberal, sell us out and do it in the most cruel fashion they can imagine. Now I'm here with a young woman that got grown up in the movement like I did, my children did more so than me, and she's called Lydia. And she's taken a new direction for our mob. If you want to trust in a political party, at least trust one that hasn't stabbed you in the back before. So let's all have a go at creating a new political voice on this landscape and let our people come to the forefront of that voice. We'll be the Black Greens, I don't care, whatever you want to call it. We are the owners of this land. We are the caretakers of this land. We are the custodians of all you survey here, the magic, the secret, sacred sites. All of it belongs to us. You can have a part in it. You can play your role, but don't come here and tell us you know more than us or better than us, especially about this place, especially here. This country is steeped in blood, our people's blood. It's time to clean the wound, and that means cleaning out the viruses that keep reinfecting us, whether you call them politicians, I don't care. To me, they're traitors to a cause that is just and true. Our land, our people, our lives mean something. For you people to come out here in the numbers you have today, you justify. You are the reason that gives us voice into the tomorrows. Your support. You have the battle. We know where we're going. We know what we're doing. The battle is in white Australia. And whether they will keep being deniers of the truth or they will eventually come to learn. The only way you can stand on your own two feet and be proud is to embrace the truth and not deny history. Learn from the mistakes of history and then we can go on and build a land we can truly call our home for all of us. That was Arnie Jenny Munro, one of the founders of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy in Redfern, Sydney. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're looking today at the campaign to abolish Australia Day. And in 2018, I had a chance to speak to a couple of the organisers of the Melbourne Rally from the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. Tanane, Onis Williams, Yiga, Gwinshmara and Bindle. Um, I think that it was a really deadly day. Um, it was really good to see all the mob out. You know, we had mob come from regional areas, which was really deadly. Um, I was really, it was just really good to see so much of our mob getting together um, to, to fight this, like to fight Australia Day. Because, um, you know, we, I don't think we see that many mob and only around NAIDOC week around at the NAIDOC march. So it was just so good to see so many mob out um, coming together for the one fight. And I think that, we, you know, we really did um, take up a lot of space yesterday and we took our time and we had our elders come out yesterday as well. Um, they were speaking, like Gary Foley and Tony Birch and um, Annie Jenny Munro and, you know, that we had so many 
um, elders out there and we had heaps of young people as well. So I'm really proud of um, what happened yesterday. Yeah, it was a hot day. Um, we were really well organised, well, in comparison to other years. And yeah, we had a lot of blackfellas come out. We had a lot of non-blackfellas come out and we had a lot of support from different organisations. Um, we had a lot of media there and a lot of police um, at the threat of a counter-protest from some white supremacists. But that didn't happen and it ended up being a really good day and I think we got the message out there um, that, you know, we're not okay with the continued genocide of Australia and people celebrating that. 60,000 people, you outnumbered the Australia Day Parade, 50 to 1. And, of course, you know, the the argument is out there that this is the building of the momentum around the either the change the date or abolish the date campaign. What are your thoughts on either of those demands? I think that yesterday we definitely did march for abolish the date, um, I guess, as organisers. That's one of the strong messages that we really wanted to put across because... We don't want to celebrate Australia on another day. Um, Uncle Tony Birch, he said that Australia doesn't deserve a national day. Like, it just doesn't. It doesn't deserve it. You know, the genocide and the colonisation that's taken place and that still continues in this country. Like, why, why do you deserve to celebrate? Like, I don't get it, to be honest. You know, we've got, you know, 10-year-olds, um, you know, suiciding in our country. You know, we've got... You know, we've got the highest incarceration rates, like especially in WA and Northern Territory where Aboriginal people make up 90% of the population. Like, I don't think that's anything to celebrate. It's pretty disgusting about the, what's currently happening in this country. So I really don't want to change the date. I just want it to be abolished completely because there's nothing to celebrate. To me, change the date is remnants of... I mean, is reminiscent of um, the a national apology that Kevin Rudd did to stolen generations of our community and it's just feel good you know politics it's it doesn't do anything it doesn't change anything when we've got extreme poverty and incarceration rates and our children are getting taken away at the highest rates in the world some of the highest rates in the world um i think change a date is just surface level gaslighting and incredibly gaslighting if we say, if we protest on um, the 26th of January, I feel like that's just media saying, well, what date do you want it on? And then is that how that campaign was born? Uh, and then we were forced to have that conversation. I don't care what date it's on. I'll protest every Australia Day on any date um, because I bet you there was a massacre on every single day of the calendar. And so that isn't enough for me to protest. Australia doesn't have anything to be proud of. It's got a disgusting history. I'm, I'm not, let's celebrate the day that our sovereignty is recognised. Let's celebrate the day every prison is closed. And I think Australian nationalism is really dangerous. We're seeing how that dangerous that is. Not only it is to us, but to everybody. It's dangerous for our refugee community, refugees across the world. As a human being, I think Australian nationalism, regardless of who you are, is dangerous across this planet. So it's important for everybody to abolish Australia Day, not just Aboriginal people. Well, in many respects, <clears throat> those hashtags, abolish Australia Day or change the date, conceal 
the politics behind those demands. And you've mentioned a few of them. You've talked about genocide. You've talked about the um, increasing rates of incarceration of Aboriginal people, particularly Aboriginal women. You've talked about the theft of Aboriginal children from their homes. I mean, can we put any more pressure on Aboriginal women stealing their children, incarcerating them? I want to talk a little bit about some of those politics that lead to the demand, abolish Australia Day, some of the issues that your communities are facing. Yeah, well, Aboriginal women are um, 34 times more likely to also be murdered by family violence assault than our non-Indigenous sisters. Any statistic, we can beat it by a mile. Mm. That's the only thing that we're really winning in. Um, Our our infant mortality rates, land destruction. Across the board, Australia has never shown any goodwill um, to coexist with us. Um, So why wouldn't we want it to burn to the ground? We're, this, we're coming off 230-odd years of, of systematic genocide and it's continuing. So, I, I mean, why wouldn't, want it, why wouldn't we want to abolish it? I'd answer that. The question should be why wouldn't, shouldn't we abolish it? Uh, why do we want to be entertained by this? Uh, it just, it's a no-brainer to me. You, you said something, you talked about the um, Australia burning to the ground and, of course, the uh, media's become preoccupied with those uh, statements that Tani you made from the platform at the rally. And, um, Marika, you also talked about the gaslighting. I guess you could interpret what the media is doing to you, Tarnine, as gaslighting because that is pretty much all they've picked up on out of all of the things that you said. And you were the chair of that thing starting from 11 o'clock till 2 o'clock when the rally finished. You were on the microphone and it's almost like you said nothing but Australia should burn to the ground. Mm. Yeah, I guess like when when I was up there, you know, when we're there, like in, especially like in the morning, um of Invasion Day, like, I was in the shower and just crying. I was like, I don't even want to show up. And, you know, I don't even want to go to this. I don't want to participate. Like, I, you know, I don't want to face today because I don't want to look at people's faces and I don't want to see people on the sidelines waving their Australian flags walking down Swanson Street. It was so – it was really messed up. So, I, you know, I was really angry. And, you know, of course I met, met like, meant it in a metaphorical way. Um, I don't know how logistically you'd burn a whole country <laughs> to the ground. So it's kind of just like um, media, like what is wrong with you? You're pretty stupid to think that me burning my own country to the ground, the one that I'm protesting on the street for, like how stupid. <coughs> like I love my country and I'm out here fighting for it, you know what I mean? Like I, I just can't believe, you know, they've attacked my workplace and any other organisation that I'm associated with. Um, so it's pretty disgusting what the media have done. Um, in terms of, you know, just putting that on every single national television show in whatever channel. It is disgusting and, you know, we've had so many incredible Aboriginal people there speaking on the day and it was just that one bit which they were just so desperate to pick up because they just wanted, like, some... They just wanted an F-bomb to show the, the angry Aboriginal, you know. So it is really disgusting what they're doing. They're just watering down our message again um, and, you know, they're actually... I said that as well. I'm like, you know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to use that to actually think of what we're actually talking about and what we're talking about. And they think yeah. that we're out there for hate. No, we're out there for love. We're out there because we love our mob so much. We're out there because we don't want our mob to die. We're out there because we don't want our mob to be locked up. We're out there because we don't want our kids being taken away and stolen. You know, there's more Aboriginal kids in out of home care than there was in the stolen generation. So, you know, for people to think 
we're just out there for anger. It's not we out we're literally out there because we love our people so much. We just want them to stop dying. And so it, to see the media do that to us is just it's so messed up. And you know we see things that you see old articles like especially from you know like the US and how they use the media back back then to, for black for African American people. And it's just the same thing. Like they'll just use what they want to try and build up something around people. Do you know what this reminds me of? Gary Folios talks about it, this story that he tells about when they were younger at the pub with this journalist. And they were just like, I don't know what they were saying to him, but I, um, he thought he was buying him jugs, trying to get him more information out of him. And they really liked that, so they were just feeding him stories. Anyway, he was going to go and they said, wait, we haven't told you about the explosives. And so that, that sparked an interest in a few more jugs. Anyway that um, got nationwide media um, as the angry Aboriginals and people to be f- fearful of. And so it's really, you know, it's almost an honour, Tunning, <laughs> if you're going to walk in those footsteps. Uh, um, it's almost an honour if you're going to walk in those footsteps because the same demonisation happened to our elders and if you're not getting demonised like that in the media, then you're probably not doing the right thing <laughs> if you're getting, you know, if you get the just in a price treatment yeah, I kind of agree with you there. <laughs> well, despite all of the um, media attempts at demonising you and making people scared to come out on this particular demonstration because there was certainly a media campaign to prevent people from getting out on the street, between fifty and 60,000 people still came out in Melbourne alone. Um the Invasion Day rally outnumbered the Australia Day Parade uh, 50 to 1. It was an amazing demonstration of force and support for uh, the politics and for the campaign and for the rights of Aboriginal people in this country. And uh, uh, in addition to the support that was given on the streets, up on the platform there were quite a number of elders from your community that came out and I think a lot of people that you hadn't seen or heard from in a really long time who came out and joined the fight and joined the struggle that probably haven't been involved for such a long time. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the people you had up there on the platform. Um, I guess one of the big ones was definitely um, Gary Foley. Um, that was pretty mad to see him. He doesn't really come out to rallies much so to have him there um, it was an absolute privilege to have him there. And then you have Uncle Tony Birch, who's like one of my faves. Um, absolutely love him. So, you know, I've it's just a privilege to have him there as well, speaking at the rally. You had only Jenny Munro, who's from Sydney. So, you know, she's, you know, she's been in the fight forever and she's, but she's been doing heaps of stuff in Sydney. You know, she was at the, she was doing um, the Redfern protest there. She had the 10 embassy there. So it was just really deadly to have, you know, all these kind of historical, like, famous activists at our rally. It was really, um, it was really deadly, but I'm just so glad they were proud of us. And I think that was the biggest thing, you know, there were so many of them talking about how young, young people, you know, who's going to carry on the fight and to see not only just them say it, but even to see, like, my nan on Facebook saying it was just really amazing um, just because, you know, we just um my nan would always fight with me and say, Oh, who's gonna take up the fight after me? And like I think a few years later we were organising rallies in the city. So, you know, it is it's just it is amazing just to see that your elders and your family are proud of you. 
Well, I, in the last couple of days, Tarnine, I saw you uh, put out a tweet actually yesterday and it said, FYI, today's march was organised by young black women. I think you emphasise women particularly and, you know, given we talked about the particular pressures um, on Aboriginal women in society, I wanted to ask you, you know, what what was the importance of that emphasis for you? I think that because I just think black women are amazing and black women don't get enough recognition. And, you know, Marika was talking about before, all these things that happen to black women, like we're not only black but we are also women as well and we have faced so many different struggles um, in our lives and whether that's, you know, getting our children taken away or, um, you know, sexual assaults and, you know, just misogyny and sexism that comes with it as well. And, you know, one of the biggest things for me was that, you know, my grandmother, she took um, alcohol to the co- to the high court and she was the first Aboriginal person to have standing for having connection to country. And that got overshadowed by the Mabo case. Um, so, you know, it just shows that Aboriginal women, you know, they don't get written in the history books. You know, I'm still waiting for an onus day, to be honest. <laughs> well, you can't get 50,000 people on the street just by putting out a call. You know, and I think one of the things that has also been overshadowed or obscured in the celebration of the Invasion Day rally yesterday and how successful it was is the fact that you guys, WAR, the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, have actually been organising for the last three years. And yesterday's rally was built on the previous rallies you've organised around the closure of Aboriginal communities in Western Australia, the Northern Territory and South Australia, and also the rallies that you've organised uh, in protest against the treatment of Aboriginal youth in youth detention facilities. Mm. So yesterday was the culmination of all of those previous organising efforts. And I guess we can look at yesterday as the precursor to what comes next. So I guess my last question for you is, what does come next? Where to from here? Well, um, the struggle continues, but we've got a little bit more public pressure and public debate and public discussion. And, um, you know, protesting Invasion Day is so important because it just reinstills our pride. And I remember when I was younger, we didn't, well, we did, my family and I did, but, I mean, I, I would have struggled to fly an Aboriginal flag on Australia Day. Like, that would be really awkward and very hard to do because it's, it's, um, the racism is quite real in, um, in, in country town, country Victoria. Um, so it's just so beautiful to see our kids and, and, and the community, the, the prides read in our, in our communities and, um, and in our families. Like our young people want to know who they are and they're self-identifying by who their tribes are they say hello and they talk in their own language and so there's more of a push nowadays to um, reclaim our identity that's been violently stripped of us um, and that's through systematic um, system abuses and and not only should we uh, not only have we reclaimed our identity um, we're reclaiming it you know it's a process you know some more than others but um, there's a sense of pride in our community now but the next step is, how do we, you know, address gentrification in our communities? We're looking at, you know, uh, our communities are getting destroyed, but we can't com- we can't community organise because of gentrification. Well, that's a lie. I think you can. I think that anything's possible for communities. Um, but we're 
we're isolated in our own cities, we've been moved away, but we also ex live in extreme poverty, housing prices where our families are. You know, I wouldn't be able to afford a house in the same um, in the same suburb as my grandmother, and that's just another form of dispossession from my my bloodline. Um, so gentrification is really dangerous. Um, another another part of that is I think the fight continues through how child protection moves within our communities and we're so much more vulnerable to child protection because of the dispossession of gentrification and we're so much more vulnerable to police brutality because of the disconnection that we have. We're living in communities we're not connected to. Um, and so, you know, we have to rebuild our communities um, and we have to fight like like hell against gentrification of what's left. Um, but, you know, we're looking at big mega cities of 20 million people and just wastelands outside of that. How are we going to exist within that? Um, you know, I, the fight continues from, uh, to fight um, system abuses and keep our community together. You know, I've got community values. My, my grandmother was one of the founders, you know, one of the, the primary main figures of the... The um, the Antonin's grandmother, our family's onuses and the Thorpes, um, were the main figureheads in the communities that, that lived in this community here. Where Uncle Gill is from, and it was about that community, and that's what drives a lot of my politics and and who I am. It's about keeping together and keeping safe because the more we are connected together, the less vulnerable we are to state violence, uh, the healthier we are. So I think that for me is the long term the long term goals. Yeah, and just even just going off the, the back of the gentrification as well, like lots of our mob, you know, they're living out in Mernda, like in the you know, far north. It just reminds me of like how they put the missions outside of town. It was just like, oh, okay, we'll leave, the, we'll leave the blacks outside of town so they don't really have to come into town. That's what it kind of reminds me of is that, you know, they just push us out so that we actually can't participate in the inner city or, you know, in the these areas where they want all these hipsters to live so it's just really funny it's just like history happening again and you know it's so messed up because it's literally it's happening now we've got so many community living out like you know Epping, Mernda, even further than that and it's so gross that you know it does make it harder to organise because lots of the people that we organise with don't even come from out there either they don't live out there they live closer into the city so it does make it really hard and mm. And it's just, yeah, gentrification is just another form of colonialism. Yeah, dispossession of black communities, or any yeah. community. Gentrification is a disease for anyone. It's mm. um, We're vulnerable through poverty for this dispossession and it's so disgusting that we live in this society today where well, we shouldn't be living in poverty. Nobody, I just I feel very strongly about that. And that's why we've been pushed out and moved away from our community. You heard the voices of Mariki Kalinya and Tarnine Onus-Williams, members of the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, about the Abolish Australia Day rallies held across the country on the 26th of January in 2018. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Women on the Line. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Thanks for tuning in to the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week. <laughs>